world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It is time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Well, I might sound a bit raspy to you today, but actually, I feel pretty good. Feel really good. Feel really good. And I don't know whether it's the prayers of all you guys or uh, Julie. Others come by, drop off stuff, say, "Take this." I got a throat lozenge in my mouth right now. But I had a great night's sleep. Uh, woke up, feel pretty good. I just don't sound just don't sound really good. Probably the drainage and all that, and uh, looking forward to an exciting weekend coming up. Steve Deck's already in town. Ohio Brett's. We got a couple campers already parked over there. Things are looking good for a, a great weekend here at Sky High. And I, I look at it like this, folks. There's going to be some great information. There's going to be some. Uh, you're going to have great. Going to have great, great fellowship. But this is a family reunion. It's really kind of the way that I look at it. And w- although we meet every morning, a lot of us. There's a 94 in here right now, 103 in here. The numbers will grow. Although we meet every morning, it's just something different about when we come together at one of these events and somebody walks in the room and you see them for the first time and they say, oh, you're Betty, right? Aren't you Betty? Yeah, yeah, that's Betty. Oh, yeah, I, I know you. Aren't you Larry? That, that's always, to me, it's kind of, a, kind of a, a neat moment when that happens because it's, we have been meeting virtually. And I would say this. Our virtual congregation, or whatever you want to call this thing that we have here, probably knows each other better than most people who go to church together. Because going to church together with people is really pretty, pretty phony, to be honest with you. So uh, we'd love for as many of you to come as you want to. Hey, it's important. If you want to, I didn't, I didn't make a big deal of this. Bring a weapon. If you want, to sh- if you want some training on a weapon, if you just want to do some shooting, uh, that's all. That's all available. We are not doing classes as such on handguns. We did that a couple of years ago. Uh, we're not doing self-defense like uh, Bobby did for us a couple of times. But uh, very various other things that we're going to do. But if you want to shoot, you can shoot. So go ahead and go ahead and bring a weapon. Again, if you would, some of you still have not registered. I know you're coming. You sent me an email and you say, "Well, Coach knows I'm coming." Well. Gary gets all the Gary. Knows, Gary's doing all the registration, and we need to know who's coming so we can order all the materials and stuff like that. So please go online and register. Right? Come on, it isn't that hard to do. Or if you want to send me a direct email and say, "Coach, I'll be there," and yada yada, then I'll send that to Gary, and we'll get you, we'll get you on the list. But we we're getting down to the nitty gritty here, where we got to get got to get our stuff ordered and all that kind of stuff. Stephanie did great yesterday. I saw her on the Brideon show. Uh, uh, she didn't. Ha- she doesn't have video, so we just had to do it by by, by a cell phone, and she did marvelously. And I, I was thinking that probably need to do a little bit more of that kind of stuff because 
I, th- I really do think that here on the first day of, of summer, uh, I believe the dark side is really amping up what they're doing. I think those, I, can, can I tell you the truth, folks? I believe, oh, this is going to sound awful, but it's the truth. I believe for the most part, the dark side believes in their power far more than we believe in ours. Would somebody give me a thumbs up on that one? The dark side believes in their power far more than we believe in ours. That's a big boom. It is a big boom, Vinny. And I don't, I, don't think, uh, I don't think we really, really look at it that way. And they're effective at what they do because they believe in what they do. They believe it works. And they put everything, uh, everything they have into it. Remember this. The Lord said, wherever two or more uh, agree is touching anything, does that apply just to believers? Is there a multiplication of evil when two or more agree? That would be a fascinating thing, right? There are certain principles in life that, that appeal, I believe, both to the light, dark side and to the light side. I think, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And we certainly need a lot more training, in my not-so-humble opinion, on the, on the dark side, the dark side. There are probably more people watching this show right now who've also come out of the dark side who could probably add more to it that, that, that we, don't, we don't even understand, you know? I remember, God, I used to mess around with all that stuff, right? And I was, I thought I was a Christian doing what horoscopes and following all that crazy stuff, right? And some people go get palm reading. I never did that, but you know what I'm saying. So there is real power on the dark side. It's it's there, folks. Why do we know so little about it? I'm going to show By the way, it's going to be the theme kind of our show here as I get get rolling. Man, I'm feeling better today. Feeling better. Uh, Let's see. Steve Deck's here. Brett's here. Um, Myra's going to pray us in here in a second. Hey, bring a chair if you want. You don't have to bring a chair. but Most of it's going to be outside under a tent. We have chairs, but if you want to have a more comfortable chair, go ahead and bring a chair with you. And listen, friends, friends, please, 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 please. Buy some food. Not for this weekend. I'm not talking about this weekend. The signs are everywhere that there is a food shortage coming. They're everywhere you look, everywhere you look. And, uh, you know, you can, go to, you can go to Kroger's, you can go to your grocery store and just, just buy stuff off the shelf. Buy some macaroni and cheese off the shelf that you just have to add water to and be able to cook. Buy some tuna, buy some canned foods. Please buy some food. As I said, uh, my wife and I bought some a couple of weeks ago, maybe it's a month ago now, and the bill was pretty good. It was a couple hundred bucks. I said, that's better than money in the bank. That's better than money in the bank. So, friends, please um, buy some food. Like I said the other time, if you're running the sky high, you better bring some food with you. I'm going to be sitting down at the bottom of the hill with a shotgun, checking your your trunk to see if you got anything in there before I'm going to going to let you let let you all. My phone's blowing up. Everything's blowing up. Thanks, Stephanie. It's all it's all good. What was I going to say there? Myra, pray us in before I get too deep here. It's going to be yes, good. Coach. It's going to be good what I'm going to do today. Okay, go ahead, Myra. Yes, Coach, I will be delighted. Uh, We're reading Psalm 2, 1 to 3. Why do the heaven range and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take consent together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, (coughs) Let us break their bounds asunder and cast away their cords from us. Jesus, 
You are welcome to Coach Dave Hadl, and we open our hearts to you. I unleash resurrection power, love, and joy to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, Myra. Amen, amen. Jonathan, jump in here real quick. Jack, jump in here real quick. I know you guys got something to say before I dig in. Go ahead, Jonathan. Being raised in the church, the focus of church is on teaching and hell insurance. (laughs) Good, well said. That's right. Fire insurance. Of witchcraft and the world system is power and control. So how do you blend? I, I believe God wants us to tie love to power, but it's about what they focus on. They focus on control and power. The church doesn't. Yes. We don't get out in the world. We don't get involved in society. We don't get involved in you know school boards and things like that. We now we are, but it's the focus. It's like you're a coach, and that's what we need. I, I talked to Brett about this. We need generals. Coaches, really good coaches, trainers in the church to teach how to impact the world. We haven't been taught any of that growing up. Amen. Amen. In fact, Jonathan, if I were to ever start a church, which we almost really do kind of develop in here, I would set it up with a coach. I would have a coaching staff, right? Look, whenever when I was coaching football, if a lineman, I, I knew what every guy was supposed to do on every play. I was the head coach. Right. But if one of the players came to me during the course of practice or during the course of the game and said to me, hey, coach, uh, what do I do when the guy lines up here? Now, I knew the answer. You understand? I knew the answer. But you know what I said? Go ask Coach Norm. Because Coach Norm coached the lineman. That wasn't my job. Could I do it? Yes. But if what if I told that guy something different than what Coach Norm would have told him? Maybe Coach Norm had sharpened the technique or doing something different. So, see, a successful football team, and Ohio Brett, could, I don't even know if he's up, could jump in there. Anybody could play football. Uh, anybody who played football, anybody part of any organization knew that the guy at the top, if he was a true leader, he got leaders around him and he let those guys lead. They led their positions and they did that one thing that they were supposed to do and they stayed out of everything else. The church is not designed for, I'm I'm glad you said that, Jonathan, because that's exactly where I'm heading this morning. I'm going to show you what has happened to us, okay? Hey, Coach, got- I'm up. I'm up. Okay. Pop me in, baby. I got my helmet on. Okay. <laughs> you heard what I was saying, though, right, Brett? At, 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 when you were at the University of Toledo, every problem you had, you didn't go to Nick Saban. You went to no. your position coach, right? Go straight. You, you spend more time with your position coach, but you come together in the full defense. You come together and pass Skelly. You come together. Very rarely do you do 11 on 11 in practice. And you knew your first responsibility was to your position coach, right? Right. You went straight. You, 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 knew, you knew Nick Saban was looking over your shoulder. You knew that, but you knew that it was the job of the position coach to coach you, not Nick Saban. That's right. And, and, and Nick Saban, if he did coach you, often probably did it through the assistant coach rather than stealing his authority in front of everybody. He would talk to the coach, and then the coach would make the correction. Folks, oh, this is would, hey, Nick Saban would rip the position coach if he saw something yeah. in front of everybody. <laughs> there, there, there you go. There you go, right? Because he, he was, had a job that he was supposed to do. So the church, the American church, 
in no way represents the structure that a football team would have. In no way. The American church is a fiefdom, a kingdom with a guy that sits at the top, and it is not healthy. You guys can't, I can't believe you guys are bringing this up because this is what, this is where the Holy Spirit was leading me this morning. Jack, go ahead. Yeah, just a a simple observation from what you asked earlier. Um, Energy is amoral, but it can be focused, as we've seen. We know that 4G can be focused. Energy can be focused. The dark side knows how to focus it. They do. We're we're playing with it like a mirror. (laughs) Oh, yes. Jack, hey, listen. If we believed in the power of the Holy Spirit, the way and the power of biblical unity, that where there is unity, God commands the blessing. Think about that. Where there's not uniformity. Where there is unity, not everybody marching like 10 soldiers. No, where there is unity. In other words, we have a common opponent, and we're going to work together to defeat that common opponent. Where there's unity, God will command the blessing. Even like that that's, that's exactly what my wife and I were talking about last night, because there is no focused energy, because no. you want to be sprinkled, and I want to be dunked, and then we that's divide. Right. We devote, we, well, I'm, listen, dude, I'm going to get to it. This is, this is awesome. This is, this, this is going to be, this is going to be really good. Before I do that, I want to show you something. Make sure I find which one I'm looking for. Uh, somebody come in here a second, though. I'll find that where. Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, I got to show. Go to, go to number eight. This, this is just, Jack, look at that pretty girl sitting there beside you. It's great to see her. Hey, hey, folks, I just want to show you this because this is just the craziness of the world, right? Somebody said to me, Hey, Coach, uh, have you noticed that they're having um, uh, power shortages? The heat's getting up. They're having power shortages. Uh, I said, yeah, I noticed that a little bit. They said, what's it going to be like if they plug in 45 million electric cars? What's that power shortage going to be like? Oh, my goodness. Hadn't thought about that. And then I dug this out. Uh, This is Kristen Zimmerman, the GM of uh, um, some power company. Are you ready? You sitting down, folks? Telling us the truth about electric cars. Go ahead. It's only a minute. It's only a minute, 10 seconds. Listen to what she says at the end. Go ahead. I'm really grateful to be here today. And in fact, this is a chance for me to say thank you more formally. The, the Chevy Bolt is upstairs. We'll be able to take a look at it. Thank You've you. got about a thousand photos. Yeah. Is it plug? <laughs> it's as simple as that. The batteries are in the trunk? No, the battery in this particular design is a T-shape right down the center and across the back seat area. Because everybody thought we killed the electric vehicle. No, we didn't. It's alive and well. So what's charging the, the batteries right now? What, where, where, what's the source of a? Well, here. It's, it's coming from the building. I mean, are, is it, um, what's our mix of power? Oh, actually, Lansing feeds the building. What's that? Lansing feeds power to the building. So I don't, I don't know. They're, uh... I bet they're a bit of coal. Oh, they're heavy on natural gas, aren't they? Uh, right now the car is charging off of your grid. Right. Well, it would be charging off... Uh, our grid, which is nine, about 95% coal. 95% coal 
charging these vehicles, folks. <laughs> this, this is the greatest bait and switch in the history of the world, right? This is, this is not liberty. This is not freedom. This is not advancement. This is voodoo science designed to make us more dependent on the government, less dependent on one another. Folks, what, what a unbelievable. Quickly, quickly, Jonathan. This is my industry. I sell batteries and solar and all that. So what I, why I got involved in this is because the future is about smart management. So where, the, where you're right, the smart meter, they're going to be able to control your appliances because they have to because they don't have enough total power to power everything. So what you're going to start to see is exorbitant high electrical rates yeah. during the day in the afternoon. And then you'll charge your vehicle at night. They're going to have to balance everything. I actually sell stuff. Eventually, I'll start going to these smaller uh, electrical companies who are going to buy it from the big guys. And when they go from coal to natural gas, they lose 20% of total power from that plant. Wow. So coal puts everything in a terrible place in North Carolina, South Carolina, Ohio. We're on the verge of a tremendous energy crisis. Mm-hmm. We are. <laughs> Amen. Mark Trump. Yeah, real quick. I was going to tell you, anytime that you transfer power, like from your wall socket to a battery, you have loss. And then each time that it goes from one transformer to another transformer, you have loss. So they're charging these batteries with the grid, but there's tons of losses along that chain. Mm. In other words, you probably burn less energy with gas directly in your your engine than all of those hops of electricity to charge those batteries and there's you know it could be as much as 20 percent total loss in power from the mm-hmm. coal from the natural gas and you know all of, one of the things we used to do is the wind farms do you know how much uh, fossil fuel it takes to make one wind turbine blade I mean, it takes hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of gallons of gas to make one wind turbine blade. So the manufacturing of all this, the manufacturing of batteries that he could tell you about, um, that consumes fossil fuels. And no one's ever considering that, Coach. It's just yep. another piece of the puzzle. That's right. We never look, by, never look by, past the tip of our fingers, do we? Okay, Jack. To build that point, to build that point I just want to buttress it. It's sure. 7-8% loss when you go AC, DC, DC, AC. So your there grid you is DC, your batteries are DC. So, yeah, that's one of my basic points when I do my presentation on how we do it. We save about 3 to 4%, which does matter over the long haul. So just good point. Wow, 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 wow. wow. Coach, I, I need to jump in here for just a second. I, I live off grid down for 30 years. In ver- um, the economy of scale for wind and solar is inversely proportional to size, to scale. The bigger they are, the less efficient. The smaller they yeah. are, the more efficient. It's Makes not, sense. The economy of scale and the power grid is the larger it is, the more efficient, the more directed. The, and the off-grid in the, in the alternate energy, the small, single-based Units are way more efficient. So, so folks, listen, that's the exact same thing. 
you're going to own nothing and you're going to love it. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to just squeeze all of us in any possible way they can. Now, it was Mark Trump, I think, that made this. I made this point yesterday. We are at war, and the first stage of war is to what? To cut off the supply lines to the people. Look at look around. Everywhere you look, the supply lines are being cut, right? Fuel, food, energy, every <laughs> knowledge, truth. Everywhere you look, the supply lines are being cut. We are already at war. It's all about control. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And where the spirit of the Lord isn't, there's tyranny. There's bondage. And ask yourself this, is America moving towards liberty or bondage? I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's a, there's a spirit behind all of this. All of this is a spirit behind it. Okay, now listen. I'm going to let Myra say something, Gene, and then Joe, and then I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. Go, Myra. Yes, Coach, in regard to power, uh, we're reading Job 26, 13. By the Spirit, he have garnished the heavens. His hand have formed the crooked serpent. Hallelujah. Amen. All power. We know where all power comes from. Gene. Yeah, you know they're telling us these electric cars are zero CO2 emission. That's not true, because I listened to this gentleman that was telling us the facts that we don't know about electric cars is you have to drive that car 400,000 miles to get it to zero emission because of all the CO2 it's creating to, to make that car and the battery. So gasoline vehicle is much more safer and more zero two unemittable, you might say, than the electric car until it gets to 400,000 miles. I'm more, I'm far more concerned about what they're putting in our food than what they're putting in the air through emissions. That's just where I find myself camping out. Joe Allen, come on in and I'm going somewhere. The, the government's always got their uh, sticky little fingers in our process of energy. That's right. and, and when they put into the, the uh, heavy diesel trucks, this death fluid, all of a sudden now, we're we're having problems with delivery because they can't. Death fluid is scarce right now, so we're we're not going to have diesel trucks to bring us our goods. We're at war, folks. Mark Trump, when I talked to him the other day, he hit it. <laughs> They're cutting our supply lines. Somebody tell me what there's an abundance of. What is there an abundance of? Inflation <laughs> dollars, I guess, is is an abundance of those. They're printing those things left and right. But for the most part, we're in a we're in a scarcity war. They're cutting they're cutting back everything on us. Everything. It's a spiritual issue. So I want to show you something that uh, uh, Spencer is it? Yeah, it's Spencer this morning. I want to show you two two things here. Uh, start with two B two B. Guys, do you know the uh, the Southern Baptist Convention? Is uh, they might as well throw it about. They might as well th- throw it on a pile of sticks and burn it. The Southern Baptist con- Convention, and it comes back to what we were talking about. What Jonathan brought up there at the beginning, I think it was Jonathan, about uh, you know top, basically top down religion, and the fact that I said what I like about here is in the multitude of many counselors is great wisdom. Some of you feel like you have to agree with me, but I don't care if you agree with me. You don't, you don't get brownie points by agreeing with me. 
And what will be great when we come together at Sky High is you'll find people who agree with you, who don't agree with me. And to be honest with you, I don't care. I don't care if you agree with me. It doesn't matter, all right? But in the denominational structure, the way things have been straight set up, I knew that. I just knew this. Did you know that the largest selling book in the history of the world is The Purpose Driven Life? You say, Coach, what about the Bible? I suppose with all the different types of Bibles, 50 million, 50 million purpose-driven lives book written by who? Rick Warren. Now, Rick Warren pastored a church called Saddleback Church in someplace out in California. Can't remember where it was. So I'm, I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. So we see all kinds of problems going on in the Southern Baptist Convention. They're going as lefty as you can left. Yeah, they're just all gone left because we've taken the folk, folks, please connect this. They've taken the focus off of uh, personal holiness and serving of the Lord. They've taken off of that to making Christianity about you being blessed by the Lord. There are no requirements, almost no requirements anymore to be a Christian. Uh, no ex- no expectations of you. And it's come, in my opinion, from the purpose-driven life. And Rick Warren talks to us about the five purposes of the purpose-driven life. That would be 2C, if you could. 2C. Pull that up for me, Spencer. Rick Warren in this purpose, he wrote a book, The Purpose Driven Life. Then he wrote a book, The Purpose Driven Church. And together they sold 50, 50 million of them. I don't know. Is that what I want to see? That's not, no, that's not what I want to see yet. I'm, isn't 2C? 2C. Sure. There you go. There you go, buddy. There you go. Pull that up. Here's the five purposes. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. Five purposes in the purpose-driven life. Here are the five purposes. Rick Warren wrote a book. If you want to have a good Christian life, here are the five purposes. Stop right there. Your first purpose is worship. Okay? Bringing pleasure to God. Worship doesn't happen only when you're in church. It's a lifestyle that centers on making God happy. Two. The second purpose of your life is unselfishly loving fellow members of God's family. God created us to be a part of a spiritual family that dedicates itself to loving and honoring him. As a believer, you're not only his child, but a sibling to all other past, present, and future believers. And in loving your spiritual family, you'll learn the essential skill of unselfish loving. And unselfish loving means loving others, even when it's difficult to do so, such as when they're being rude, it's inconvenient for you, or they need too much from you. 50 million books of this gibberish. Three, the third purpose of your life is to become more like Jesus by taking on his values and character. This spirituality, this spiritually mature character is already in you, but it hasn't been shaped yet. Purpose number four, God wants you to serve others. This is called ministry. The fourth purpose for your life, the way God planned for you to serve others is uniquely yours. Now, friends, these all sound good. 
And these are certainly all things that Christians probably ought to be doing. But imagine how many people have taken, I got another one, 50 million, that's 50 million copies. Think how many people read it. Think how many pastors preached it. 50 million. Hang on. The fifth purpose of your mission, the fifth purpose is your mission. Whereas your ministry is how you serve other believers, your mission is your service to unbelievers. God wants you to spread word of his love, his glory, and the promise of eternal life to unbelievers through your unique mission and shared mission. There it is. There's the purpose-driven life. Hey, Spencer, go back to that Wikipedia feed. When was this book written? When did he write this? Hold on down. Oh, by the way, it's right there. Stop right there. This is important. Warren was encouraged by Billy Graham in his 20s. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but how would Rick Warren get access to Billy Graham in his 20s? Can anybody help me out with that one? He published this book in 2002. The Purpose Driven Life, 2002, 50 million copies sold, and the Southern Baptist Convention is at war with each other. You with me? We want to know what happened? I, I, evil, oh, I got all kinds of scriptures. Evil men have crept in unaware. Oh, I can go right down, I can run right down the list of them and show you exactly what's happened to us. But I got to show you this. This would be number two and played at 1.5 speed. I don't know how many of you saw this. You talk about a guy who has no feel or no understanding. Rick Warren, they just had the Southern Baptist Convention just this last weekend. They had a huddle, and they're at war in their huddle between those who've probably read The Purpose Driven Life and the old-time guys, the old Baptists who want to go back to fire and brimstone at a war. And, of course, the 50 million book guys are winning, right? And so they, they elect this president, another Rick Warren kind of guy. So Rick Warren gets in front of everybody. He gets six minutes. And I want you to talk. I want you to listen to this, that he does not understand the blindness. He has an unbelievable blindness as how he has been one of the people most responsible for the destruction, I believe of evangelical Christianity. Play it at 1.5 speed, Spencer. Rick Warren starts out by saying, I'm not here to defend myself, and then listen to what he says. Go ahead. You know, um, first, everybody, welcome to Orange County, Southern Baptist of 149 Southern Baptist churches here. 90 of them started by Saddleback Church. Wow. You know, it's customary... So 90 of the churches there are purpose-driven churches. Go ahead. Um, For a guy who's about to be hung to let him say his dying words. (laughs) I have no intention of defending myself. I have taught my kids and grandkids for years. I am most like Christ when I refuse to defend myself. He's most like Jesus. You're most like Jesus when you don't defend yourself, he says. You're most like Jesus when you don't defend yourself. And now for the next uh, five minutes and 30-some seconds, He's going to defend himself. Go ahead. The Bible says Jesus spoke not a word unto them when Pilate accused him of all kinds of things. So I have no intention. Uh, I have most of you on my mailing list anyway, and I can write you and tell you what I believe about the gift of pastoring as opposite from the office of pastoring. But I'm not here to talk about that. Lunchtime, I wrote you a love letter, and I'd like for my possibly, likely, last convention to read it to you. 
Kay and I could have not built Saddleback Church to its size and influence in any other denomination. I love Southern Baptist. I am a fourth-generation Southern Baptist pastor. My great-grandfather was led to Christ by Charles Spurgeon and sent to America as a church planter. Saddleback was sponsored by the North American Mission Board. I served on the staff of the California State Convention and the Texas State Convention as a teenager. Billy Graham picked me up when I was 18 and for the next 52 years mentored me because I started at 16 years old, hired by the California Convention to preach youth revivals, and I had preached preached over 120 uh, Harvest Crusades before I was 20. Billy took this long-haired, skinny Californian and mentored me for the next 52 years. Here's my love letter to you, because I really am grateful, if this is my last convention. Because of Southern Baptist polity, I was allowed to serve one church for life. That's not possible in those denominations. And And grew it to become the largest church in this convention. Because Southern Baptist gave me a passion for evangelism and mission, we baptized 56,631 new believers. And as a Southern Baptist church, sent 26,869 members overseas to 197 nations. Because Southern Baptist taught me the value of a membership covenant, 78,157 members of our church signed our membership covenant after taking a four-hour membership class. Because Southern Baptist taught me to emphasize the priority of Bible study, we now have 9,173 home Bible studies in homes in 162 Southern California cities. Because Southern Baptist taught me the value of church planting, that I already mentioned, we planted 90 in Orange County alone and literally thousands around the world. Because Southern Baptist taught me to honor and love the local church, I've had the privilege for 43 years of training 1.1 million pastors. There you are! There you are! Sorry, friends, that's more than all the seminaries put together. (coughs) You all so much. So I sincerely say thank you, Southern Baptist, for shaping my life. And you're never going to find another Baptist who agrees with you completely on everything. There are Baptist brothers here today who don't believe Jesus died for the whole world. But we imagine somehow get along with them. So as Western culture grows more dark, more evil, more secular, we have to decide, are we going to treat each other as allies or adversaries? Second, since this is the year 2022... That means we are 2,022 years from the birth of Christ. Now we know Christ started his ministry at 30 years of age. Luke tells us that, had a three and a half year ministry. Christ died in AD 33. He was resurrected in AD 33. He gave the Great Commission in AD 33. He sent the Holy Spirit and started the church in AD 33. That means 2033, just 11 years from today, is the 2000th anniversary of the Great Commission. I hope one of you, because I won't be here next year, We'll make a resolution that Baptists take the next 10 years to finish the task of the Great Commission in our generation before the 2000th anniversary of the church. Are we going to keep bickering over secondary issues? Are we going to keep the main thing the main thing? We need to finish the task, and that will make God smile. Thank you, everybody. I love you. So he's personally trained 1.1 million pastors in the purpose-driven dogma, and he thinks that's a good thing. And he can't understand how we got so messed up, folks. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. He told everybody he wasn't going to defend himself and then spent six minutes defending himself, bragging on all of their accomplishments and not taking credit for how miserable the Southern Baptist Convention 
has become. He's saying, look at all these wonderful things I did, but boy, the Baptist convention sure sucks. It's it's unbelievable. He, <laughs> Go ahead, Roger, as a member of the Southern Baptist Convention. Go ahead, Roger. Dave, he is leading the charge in two areas. One is the whole diversity meeting with everybody, the Buddhists and the Islam and so forth. He goes to all those things. The second thing he's leading the charge in is the ordaining women as pastors. And if you look at history, every major denomination in the last 150 years, the linchpin that opened up to liberalism was the decision of women pastors, whether you and I agree or disagree. That fight is going on right now. And the Southern Baptists will lose that fight. But every major denomination in the last 150 years, that's where the Episcopalians started. That's where the Lutherans all started. That's where the Presbyterians started. They all start there. Then the floodgate opens up. Boom, Roger, as Vinny would say. The, the, the not holding the line on masculinity in the church yes. is how we got where we are. It's exactly where we are. And uh, and to think that this guy, this I'm sorry, this pompous man, uh, can I tell you something? I don't have any idea how many people I've led to Christ. I don't have a list of them. Uh, anybody got a list of those? How many people you've led to Christ? How many home Bible studies you started? Are, are you kidding me? What? What? Oh, let's see. It's, it, make, it makes me sick. I got some. I got some more stuff. Go ahead, Jeff. Come on in. Coach, you know who he reminds me of? And I don't know how many people have ever done it, but talk to some of these UCC apostate homo preachers, and they sound like him. I mean, he just, the few I've talked to. Yeah, he trained one million of them. He just told us he trained a million of them. That's why they sound like him, right? What? They've turned the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. That's what the Bible tells us has happened. And this has become mainstream Christianity. Hey, listen, I couldn't watch Rick Warren's jock. So I'm not sitting here like I'm jealous of Rick Warren. But I'm a smart enough guy to understand poison when I see it, understand what's happened to us. That these 1.1 million pastors that he's trained, they are worth a hoot in hell. They won't fight over nothing. Because what? Hey, go back to the five things. Go back to the five things. That was 2C. 2C, what? What's the thing? It's all about love, 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 love. Serve, serve, serve. No fight, 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 fight. No stand, 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 stand. None of that. It's the entire. Can I tell you the truth? Oh, I got, can I, I'm going to use it. Get ready to hold your, get ready to hold your ears. Because back when I was growing up, I'd leaned over to my somebody and I said to my friend, hold your ears. If I was listening to Rick Warren, I'd say, hey, that guy's a pussy. Well, anybody give me a thumbs up? Anybody give me a thumbs up on Rick Warren being one of those? Whatever that means, all girls are mad at me now, so there he goes again. Right? Huh? A guy like that, I'm going to tell you something. A guy like that would not make me want to go to church. You're not going to turn me into a gelding, if you know what I'm talking about. Come on in, Rochelle. Hey, good morning, team. Hey, Coach. Um, So 
Yes, that list right there. Um, I think they're missing the other side of that list. Like if you need to turn that over, and I don't even know if they're, I haven't read his book all the way. I might have paged through it at a thrift store, but um, where's personal repentance? What, where is it, why things are going to be hard when you swim upstream and why things are going to be hard when you try to do better? Where's all that part? Where's the inner struggle so that you can stand for your Messiah? I mean, well, how is he making people strong by only focusing on this side of Jesus? That everything that's there, that yes, we are made to worship. Amen. Everything that there is right, but he's not. Everything on the flip side of that he is missing and it cannot work without it. And Rochelle, is there anything easier to do than than love somebody. I mean, it's wait a minute. I didn't mean it that way because sometimes it's hard to love people. But love, loving somebody, we think is just accepting them however they are, just showing the love of Jesus. When the love, love whom the Lord, whom, whom the Lord loves, He chasteneth. Whom the Lord loves, He corrects. It's and there's a decision no decision He's made. He chose to love us. We mm-hmm. have to choose to lo- to love other people. No, if love isn't hard, you're doing it wrong. It's hard. <laughs> That's good. If love isn't hard, you're doing it wrong. And I want to know this. Billy Graham, who gave us the walk an aisle and say a prayer, sinner's prayer, that came from Billy Graham. What would attract him to Rick Warren? Wow. Randy and Jonathan. Coach Hebrews 5.8, it says uh, that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. This about the suffering of the soul, telling you no when you need when you don't want to do it, being and and none of that message deals with that coach. No, no, no. no. Make me happy, make me feel good, and it just promotes the selfish little soul in everybody, and it doesn't cause any type of sacrificial laying down of your soul, and that's that's the problem with the message. It's not all the the words. It's the it's the the application of the words. That, that's the Randy, biggest. Randy, his own words, we just heard it. Saddleback ordained one million pastors. Not Southern Baptist Convention, Saddleback. So they ordained one million people into teaching this gibberish. And we wonder why we're in the mess that we're in. He actually said, Saddleback ordained more people than the entire Southern Baptist Convention. In other words, Saddleback is the Southern Baptist Convention. And they're trying to wrestle it back. I don't know if we're... Uh, <laughs> got to be careful how you don't, you don't want to curse something that the Lord's in, but my goodness, Lord, flip it over. Jonathan? Yeah, so I've done research on Billy Graham <clears throat> and a little bit on Rick Warren I because I, I'm a Baptist grew up in a Baptist setting, reformed, like the group he was talking about, the Calvinism, he was talking about that. He's been in those arguments for years. But what I see in this whole pitch is window dressing and makeup. So the five points are, you can't argue with them, right? Right. But they are not the gospel. That's the problem. It's just trick. It's magic, okay? So when you go to Freemasonry and the fact that that Billy Graham was a Freemason tied to the bushes. And then you realize now 
when you put the pieces of the puzzle together, what you're dealing with is high-level Freemasons playing a game. It's trickery. It's magic. This has <laughs> nothing to do, nothing to do with gospel. And how do you avoid this, brother? You're talking about none of us should be starting freaking denominations or Saddleback anything. We need to loose, and we need to let the Holy Spirit run the show, which means we get out of the way. It's launch, like you said. How many people do you the Lord? You don't know. How many people do you influence for God? I don't know. It's I don't want to know in a way. Yeah, I, I don't either. It's crazy. It's pr- it's prideful, man. It's prideful. Hang on, folks. I'm going to give you some. Uh, what I said. I'm going to give you some chapter and verse here. Hang on a second, James. Come on in. Morning. I wonder if part of the poison that Rick Warren's uh, organization has spread is the propagation of the rapture and that we'll be out of here. We won't be here for the tribulation. I would think so. I don't know that for sure, but I would th- I would think so, you know. And wow. listen, listen, my, my, James, uh, Jim, my, I stay the same place on this. I, If there's a rapture, I, I think we ought to be working twice as hard. We ought to be more out front. That's I'm, I don't want to argue about the rapture. If there's a rapture coming, I'm out of here. I'm okay. But I ought to be helping other people come into the kingdom if there's going to be a rapture. So we don't even we don't even live out what we claim to believe. If I thought there was a rapture, I'd sell everything I had. I'd get rid of everything right now. I'd get rid of everything right now because I'm not going to be here. I'd, I'd put every cent I have into expanding the kingdom. I would spend every hour, every waking hour out making sure people know the gospel. I'd quit my job. I'd sell everything, if you believe that. Yeah, Coach, let me just raise a point. Uh, this last weekend, I had a conversation with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law who I know go to a church that, our Rick Warren fans, and their whole point was, I won't be here for the tribulation. I'm going to be raptured out of here. That's yep. scriptural. And if you don't believe that, I, you know, I have concerns yep. for you. I'm, I'm telling you, man. I know, but I know, buddy. I, listen, I think you can believe that rapture and be out on the front lines of the abortion clinic. That's what, that's what, that's what I think. Like Pastor Dale would. Come on in, Dale. Now, listen. I want everybody after Dale. I want everybody to stop on that because I'm, I'm going to give you some evidence. Go ahead, Dale. Well, hallelujah, brother. I do appreciate that. Two couple few things. First off, is that I think he had six points of his book. The last one was that you then go read Joel Olstein's book. You can tell <laughs> if a pastor has that book in his library, brother, run. That's all I can say, congregation. People, yep. if you go into a church, you're looking for a church, and that book is in his library, run. Rick Warren's um, synopsis of his gospel is to love people more than Jesus and tolerate sin because Jesus doesn't. That's pretty much the sum of this guy right here. Yep. He is he has put the second commandment, right, the, these hinge on these yep. two, he has put the second one before the first. And because he's done that, he has become a charlatan. Amen. Amen. I, I'm, well, it is, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. So let me, let me lay some, uh, some proof out here, okay? Uh, let, let's try to do this, Spencer, the best we can. Go to number – you ought to just be able to click on the links, and you ought to be able to go there, okay? Go to number four, Spencer. Number four. <clears throat> Israel's watchmen are blind. This is Isaiah 56.10. His watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. They're all dumb dogs. But by the way, who's his watchmen? 
Who would his watchman be? Uh, I, I, as I said before, I think we're out of our, the whole uh, five-fold ministry structure is out, out of line. The pastor is not supposed to be the head of the church. Anyway, his watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. They're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. They're greedy dogs, which can never have enough. They are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way and keep track of how many people they got saved and how many people they brought to the Lord, every one for his own gain from his own quarter. And he says, come, say they, and I'm going to fetch wine, and we'll fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow's going to be even better than this. Tomorrow's going to be so much better than this that eventually we're all going to get raptured out of here and there'll be no responsibility at all for anything we did because we're all under the blood. Okay, that's Isaiah 56, 10. Number five, what's it say? What does Jeremiah say? Number five, declare in this house, O Jacob, and publishes to Judah, saying, Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, and have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, says the Lord? Will ye not tremble at my presence, will, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by perpetual decree? that he cannot pass it. And so the waves thereof toss themselves, yet they can't get out of the, they can't get out of the banks. Yeah, they roar, but they can't get out. But this people have a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter. In this season, he reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of harvest. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait as he that setteth snares. They set traps. They catch men. Oh. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses. So are their churches full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. I'm going to stop right there for one big amen. Will somebody give me one big amen? Amen. 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 They're waxen fat. They shine. Yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless. They the aborted babies. Those are the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy do they not judge. Shall I not visit for these things, says the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? A, horrible, a wonderful and horrible thing is committed in this land. There you are. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their own means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? Tag gone. Number six. I went over this one the other day. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Rick Warren came in by some other way other than the way he was supposed to come in. He was called in by somebody else. And he that comes in by a different door is not the shepherd. No, he ain't the shepherd. And my sheep uh, hear my voice, and another voice they won't follow, and a stranger they're not going to follow, but they flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Scroll down, please. And this parable, Jesus spoke to them, but they didn't understand it. They said, well, I don't get what you're saying. He said, well, I'm going to try to tell you again, boys. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, I'm the door. Nobody, cut, nobody comes into the pastor unless I've called them. They, they have to have a call from me and the Holy Spirit, or they can't even get in here. And all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Again, showing from verse 1, the thief cometh but to kill him. Who are the thieves? Who are the thieves? They're the guys who came in another way, right? Ones are fat and rich and saved 1.1 million. Uh, oh, my goodness. The thief, verse 10, a Jonathan or Spencer, go back to verse 1. Go back to verse 1, please. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheeple, by cometh some other way, is a thief. There's the thief. A phony guy called into the ministry is a thief. Okay? Now, go down to verse 10. The thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. I'm a good shepherd. Don't, fo- don't follow Rick Warren. I lay down my life. But Rick Warren, he's a hireling, verse 12. He ain't a shepherd. The sheep aren't his. He sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and starts accepting all types of transgenderism and all that stuff because why? It's the love of God. We have to, sh- we have to spread the love of God, right? <clears throat> so the hiring flees from the battle because he's a hireling. He didn't want to lose what he's got. Lord, help us. Jude, number seven. <clears throat> Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Not accept the faith, not be part of the faith, contend for the faith. Yeah. Once delivered to the saints. Why? Because there are certain men who've crept in unawares who were before old ordained to this job. They were chosen by the devil for this job. Ungodly men standing in the pulpits, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and accepting all kinds of sins. I will there put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those that didn't believe. And the angels, which kept not their first estate. Uh, that'd be Nephilim, for those of you who can't speak English. But left their own habitation. He hath reserved an everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Mm. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. And they've run greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perishing in the gainsaying of course. Chasing after money. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruits wither without fruit, twice doubly dead, plucked up by the... He's talking about servants of the Lord here, folks. Supposed. 
raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch, also the seventh of Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Their murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons, and everybody admires them. So, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there would be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the spirit. Not you, boys and girls, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and eternal salvation. And on some, on some, have compassion, making a difference. But on others, save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. That's not the purpose-driven life there, folks. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I get up every day with purpose, every day with purpose. And if you're getting up every day and you're looking for purpose, then you need to have a deep, deep spiritual evaluation. Myra, go ahead. Romans fourteen seventeen, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. Read that again. Is that in Romans? Is that in Romans? Yes. Or Romans 14, 17. For Read the it kingdom again. of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so that's uh, that's Preach, the girl. Preach. Folks, listen, we have never seen in the history of the world a weaker church than we see today. But I want you to know this. That's not the real body of Christ. It's not the real body of Christ. Our greatest work is before us. When we understand that our purpose is to earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered to the saints, because why? Evil men have crept in unawares. We have to learn to take care of our own homes and our own houses. Reclaim what rightfully belongs to the Lord. Wow. See you tomorrow.